Welcome to Heavy Hops. My name's Alexi. And my name's Sam. Joining us today is Thomas Yeager of the do metal band Mono Lord. They are a phenomenal band, and if you haven't heard them before, I definitely recommend you give them a listen. They are pioneering their genre in ways that no other Doom band is, and Thomas is going to go a little bit into that with us today. It's going to go like a lot into it. We dive pretty, pretty hard <laughs> into what it takes to put together a Monolord record, and specifically like the mindset of what it's like to record over time, how that changes over time and how the little decisions go a real long way in, cha in changing the complexion of a record. Yeah, and uh, we'll also talk about what it means to be signed to a small independent label and what kind of attributes they carry to a band and when that transition happens to a bigger label and how they kind of have a marriage with each other and w exist in this co-symbiotic kind of way. It's an awesome listen. It's not five hours like our other ones, but it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I know that's going to disappoint some of you and make some of the other of you happy. So. We'll find out. In any event, uh, thanks for listening to us as well. And please make sure that uh, you're subscribing to us and also that you take the time to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, or whatever else you we're everywhere. It doesn't matter. Wherever you listen, give us a follow, share it with your friends. We're everywhere you want us to be, and we can be. If you know you a want. young, aspiring uh, podcaster, uh, show them because we do everything perfectly. Almost. Almost. I, I would say almost. But either way, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate all of your support. And, um, you can follow us at Heavy Hops on Instagram. I am S A M C A N G E on the Instagram, and Alexi is. Who the fuck is Alexi? Let's dive and get heavy. So, is this better? Oh, that's, that's great. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I'm in your living yeah. room with you. <laughs> yeah. There we are. We're, we're in we're, Sweden, we're Sam. We're in Sweden. We got what we wanted. Hey, it's October, yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so we we talked a little bit uh, on a previous episode with, uh, with Mikael Sane about, like, kind of what was going on in Sweden and with um, the perspective of, like, herd immunity. Unfortunately... Like, I think that part of the internet, the audio quality wasn't good. Yeah. So I think uh, now, since we have another suite on the line, it may be worth, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we could jump back into it. Like, um, from your perspective, do you think that, uh, like, taking the herd immunity perspective has been, like, a good thing for the country as far as following guidance from, like, your CDC and for not, like, forcing people into isolation, which is what most of the rest of the world's done. I don't know. It's like uh, everyone I know take more or less, they take their responsibility. They don't go out to bars. They don't go, we're like isolating, but there are of course tons of people that don't and they are all over like i've seen pictures from every country in the world there's bars open and people drinking and and whatever so i i don't know if it matters i know what happens in some some countries where they 
didn't handle it. They had, of course, many deaths. But in the end, I don't know. It's like choosing between which which uh, age group is going to take the hit. It's kind of what it's about. And in Sweden, got some criticism about their elderly is sacrificed for for the rest of us, kind of. Uh, but I, I I don't know if I I think it's a been a pretty good choice. I've been working all the time, and uh, except the school school I work at is closed at summer. But the other before summer, I was working in April and May, and it was just try to teach everyone to wash their hands and be really thorough and it was normal just less hugging and stuff of course but mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't i don't really know it's it's starting to when when you realize it's going to be like this for a year or more it's like it's almost more apathy than something else right now it's like uh, I, I don't know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i don't know yeah. yeah i do feel like um from what I see from the places I follow in Gothenburg and Stockholm, as far as restaurants go is because there's everything is open. It seems like restaurants are doing better and there's less pain on their front for, you know, looking for customers and keeping them afloat. Um, and yeah, I think that is one of the benefits, I guess, to the herd immunity, um, argument is it keeps the economy alive, but, also, Sweden is an interesting example because I don't feel like your cases are spiking like they are in the rest of the world, you know? And Yeah, but I read like this yesterday because they they check the sewage water to get to see if there's a rise in... Um, you, you can check the sewage water and check if there's a rise in, what do you call it? If, if it's how much is found in the water, basically. And it's a spike in Stockholm now. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, so you, maybe because they are talking now about opening up more and more and getting maybe 500 people for events instead of 50 like it's now. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's too soon. It's it's gonna yeah. it's already spikes uh, here and there, and it's it's not gonna go away just because we're tired of it. Right. Well, and that's like the nature of how this is gonna roll. Like you were saying, it's not gonna be over in a year. It's gonna be time. And in that period before this does end, however that end looks, you're gonna see this roller coaster of ups and downs until until something yeah. breaks, whether that's a vaccine or we run out of people yeah. we run out of people <laughs> or we have some kind of you know cure where you go in and they give you vitamins or something or and it helps you get over it quicker you know it's just going to be this constant flux of up and down and up and down when you think you're good everything opens up and then everyone's like oh shit wait that was a bad idea yeah. and that's that's really bad for people like you because you can't plan a tour around that no that sucks it really sucks but at the same time, it's. I'm I'm thinking about it sometimes when they, they, we're increased in population so fucking fast the last like hundred years or, or so, maybe this is the, this is the new way, you know. It's it's gonna be every like disease like this is more or less man made, 
because mm-hmm. it's either you you, uh, you you're not clean enough or we're, uh, like all the the mad cow disease where they try to make a few extra bucks but they created the, the mad cow disease instead because mm-hmm. oh and it's just horrible everywhere so maybe we need stuff like this but maybe we need to take a higher percentage of the population to get things running again you get more the like you can get apartments without standing in line for 900 years <laughs> and it's yeah it's everyone benefits yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. It's even like though a, it's even though it's of course a bit rough to say that many people have lost their close ones, but mm-hmm. it's it's on us anyway because we created it because we can't deal with this kind of stuff. So that it's our own fault mm-hmm. in in some way. Yeah, it's uh, you know if you go back, you want to look at like the bubonic plague or something where it wiped out half the population of Europe, you know, and no, not that they were anywhere near in size where we are now, but you know, it was a lot of the same. If you want to look at the conditions leading up to it, you know, it was unsanitary, overcrowding populations and very dense controlled spaces, and yeah, you know, you could argue. And you'd be correct that we are more sanitary now, but um, disease is ever evolving. It doesn't stop progressing if we get cleaner. It just finds new ways and adapts. And this is something that kind of found a way through the system, you know. And while it may not be as deadly as the bubonic plague, it's still very, very contagious. And it's got a, you know, it can kill at what is the percentage, like 1.5 percent. Mm-hmm. chance of death yeah so that's like i don't know if you want to take 7 billion people and multiply that by 1.5 you're talking a hell of a lot of people yeah like it is lot. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i thought it was interesting uh that there was an announcement it was like late last week or maybe early this week in sweden where yes you could have 500 people at shows if there was some kind of like uh distancing protocol and i've started to see other shows in Europe, I don't know, like, I, it's been in Germany mostly where there's, like, different arrangements that uh, concerts yeah. have existed in, whether it's, like, outdoors with masks or people, like, seated at tables without masks. I feel like um, there's still a lot of figuring out as to how that is going to work, even in those places. Um, but at the same time... Uh, I think Sweden is an interesting place because certainly unlike here uh, and maybe unlike other parts of Europe, too, um, you have a population that's a little more receptive to what your CDC would say or what um, the the, you know, what your experts are going to say. People are a little more receptive to that and um, distancing in some way. I mean, this is like totally a joke that's been on the internet for a long time now but i feel like as someone that's been in sweden for a long time and has observed this is people are a little more cautious around strangers and even around people that they know generally and so there's like um a a little bit of uh a social resistance to this Mm -hmm. in some way uh to begin with yeah Mm um yeah Uh, But every store now has markings on the floors and 
they put up all these screens in front of the cashiers and it's more or less in every store now in, mm-hmm. in the whole country, I think. Yeah, no, that's that's very commonplace here too. Um, I think it goes back to a lot of people like to ignore the rules though because they don't like to yeah. they don't like to follow a they don't like to follow rules and b they just don't trust. There's a lot of mistrust from the top down in America yeah. right now, you know. So that just breeds a very very contagious, no pun intended. Yeah, well, population. it's a, it's a it's a pretty dangerous <laughs> thing when your president is demonstrating really, really poor behavior and a total lack of judgment. Um, So that in this situation, if you trust him, you're going to do the wrong thing. And if you don't trust him, you're still going to do the wrong thing. So (laughs) it's not like he's a fuck up, but at least he's not saying something (laughs) super detrimental to where it's not going to kill people. But um, in this case, it's a double whammy. It is a double whammy. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so with uh, with some of the time that you've had, have you been working on any uh, on any new music, uh, whether for your uh, solo endeavors or for Monolord? Uh, yes, on both. Um, actually, the next solo album, it, uh, I have a bunch of demos, um, like eight or something, that's been written and recorded like here in my home studio. Uh, so they are basically done. Uh, I just got some extra touches on that one, and probably after, because we've been starting working on Monolord material and rehearsing and stuff. Uh, so that's gonna probably take the most of my time right now. So I don't want to st- start the process of the like solo thing in the middle. But um, yeah, so I've been writing songs for a lot of songs last couple of months actually so it's Mm -hmm. been pretty good that's Mm -hmm. awesome so you record in your home studio for both bands or do you have a space you uh record at for monolord for monolord we have been uh, most of the releases is they are recorded in our rehearsal space in gothenburg uh and then i think on rust i started to record stuff here at home because i I've been not been into like recording stuff as much before, but I've been acquiring gear lately and I think I get better at stuff. So now I, I, I record a lot of different stuff at home, but when it's Monolord, I rather do it like when we're together in the studio, mm-hmm. but I have done some stuff up here too. So I have the possibility at least. And yeah. actually on when we recorded Rust, when Espen were done with the drums because the 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 room is so small, so we can't really separate stuff for doing live takes. Mm-hmm. But when Espen was done with the drums, I uh, were recording the rhythm guitars tracks uh, and lead guitar tracks at home and sent the files uh, through dr- the Dropbox to Espen that and started to record bass with Mika in the rehearsal space at the same time. Because we were going on tour on like two weeks after, so we didn't have the time to do it like the usual way. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the the opportunity and the possibilities are now with the internet days. It's, it's quite amazing when you think about it. Or just go back like ten years, this would be impossible. Uh huh. Yeah, it's no, pretty it, cool. 
It is awesome that you can now, you can do everything from your home, you know, and like the possibility that opens up the freedom it gives you actually, because you know, it's a lot of money up front, but you're not paying an hourly rate to record now. And yeah, it gives you more freedom to kind of express yourself freely, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think record labels like this too, because I was going to say, yeah, (laughs) uh, Yeah. you know, the overhead on recording uh, drops a little bit. And I think that, um, I mean, I don't really think Monolord was a band that did this, but the whole drum kit from hell thing uh, and the automated drums really was a game changer for bands in a lot of different ways too. And I feel like yeah, that yeah. that came about at the same time as people starting to really kind of record at home and take advantage of all the technology that was available. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and some people they are like wizards in in that stuff, and they create new possibilities with stuff that already exists, and it just develops. And I, that's what I like with technology when you can use it in a creative way. It's uh, just like the like my phone, for example. I record so much like ideas on my phone, so I, I it's so much that I even can't keep track of it. And then I lost everything in a, my phone died and I couldn't get it to start. So everything was lost. Oh no. So it was like four or 500 short clips or long songs or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I was devastated because they were, I, I might use and end up using like kind of maybe two, 3% of what I record, but it's also like memories notes for myself when what I did or like maybe even felt when I recorded stuff. So it's really personal. And then I found about this software and I could get half of it back, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so and actually one riff from there, like a lead thing. And a, uh, I think it's going to end up. One of the last things ends up as a lead thing on the new Monolord record, I think. Mm-hmm. It's 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 really interesting and and uh, unpredictable in the same way. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of funny. Yeah, no, uh, it's it's amazing to think you know ten years ago you probably would have been recording that on a tape, you know, mm. and if that tape were gone. You're, you're screwed, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And how many years before that you would have recorded everything live? Uh-huh. Uh, anyways, too. Right. Yeah. Well, I always think, cause I'm always like, I do the same thing on my phone. Like if I'm like playing guitar and I'm like, oh yeah, that's cool. And then I'll just like record yeah. on my phone really quick. But if, if I didn't have a cell phone and I didn't have a place to record, I don't know how I would track my ideas. Like I, I used, when I was younger and I was, I only had like a small uh, tape recorder. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I, I had tapes just with me and the acoustic guitar. But then when you played it, it played the wrong speed. So I had to down tune the guitar for it to match the <laughs> speed for, on the tape. And then when I recorded new stuff, I had to do the same all over again. And it turned <laughs> and I, at that time, I couldn't really realize why I had this problem. I was furious. So that wasn't a really wasn't a, a good thing. It wasn't creative at all. So is this why you tune so low for Monolord? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how it started. You're like it doesn't sound normal. Um, have you uh, 
has Monolord done any, are any of your recordings done purely live in the sense of everyone playing at the same time? And is that something that you've thought of uh, moving forward? I've, there's more and more bands that are in the general vicinity of Monolord, so to speak, that are recording live or are uh, expressing that they're actually tight as musicians by doing that. And I was just curious if that's something that you've, that you had thought of or done. Yeah, we, the the idea has always been there, but uh, a lot of times it's a matter of finances. Because if you want to do that, it it's it's uh, sometimes when we have decided to record, we have like a window of two weeks, and I think with with all of the it's it's fucking expensive to be in a studio or to do to do that for a few weeks with with like a serious serious studio so but uh that's why we decided to do it ourselves and we can't really do that we did it once with ferris wear boots the like single we did that's live with some additional yeah add-ons um we want to do it and we know that we sound good when we're when we're playing together and we have played a song a bunch of times we we know we can be tight and we can be groovy at the same time but it's it's a matter of time versus money like always mm-hmm. do you find when you guys track solo like you do typically with a record it's harder for you to capture that groove that you guys have live or um do you find it flows naturally? We play like last record. Uh, we all played together in in one room, mm-hmm. and we recorded the guitars and the bass at the same time. Like, yeah, properly, so we could save the, the those takes. So I think for the bass and the drums for no, on no comfort are. I think Mika and Espen are mostly uh, live together when I think about it. And mm-hmm. some of the guitar tracks we saved. I think we saved, for example, the last uh, like lead parts on the last leaf are also from the live session. So some some stuff, but um, it, it's sometimes it's a bit harder. Yes, to when you do the add add, add on recordings stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had never done it to any click track, so... I, I was going to ask if you played a click. No, because we, we want to keep the... It flows a little better. If, mm-hmm. if you do, like, for drums, like guitars, bass, and to a click, you can get the static just strumming or whatever, but mm-hmm. when the drummer records without... Because we, we play together still... Um, just not to a click and yeah i think that's why we can then it's sometimes it's really fucking hard in some (laughs) songs when you're trying to recreate that mode you were in when you played it together Uh but once you get there it's more or less smooth sailing through the rest of the songs too it's just getting into that groove or mode or whatever so basically Mm -hmm. but when we also when we record i thinking thinking like there's always almost always three guitars different guitars recorded 
Mm-hmm. Um, they are sometimes doing the same stuff, but with a different sounds, and sometimes they play the different all three of them so to get certain create certain moods or harmonies or whatever and then you have to choose one of those things to do live afterwards that's what i was gonna ask yeah how do you decide that it's it's a constant but uh, as long as the bass and the guitar can find stuff like a they match well together when we rehearse. We know that this is what we're going to play when we play it live later. So mm-hmm. we're, we're finding it out. And now it's more or less, we know all this already, so we don't have to figure it out that much. It's just what's the leading thing or the hook or whatever. It's got to be the same as the the record, and we're pretty good to find that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um so have you like either you or um on the bass have you played with emulators at all so like you emulate a bass tone or another guitar tone or vice versa on the bass where they emulate a guitar have you ever you mean like um uh, trying to think i'm of not a, sure what you mean so i think no so uh man i'm trying to think of a band do you that mean does of reamping or do you yeah mean- so you run like an aby pedal yeah, so you take that to a clean channel and then through yeah no, never done that actually so that's something i've experimented with and um so in my band it's just me on guitar but i send um so your y is your guitar and then the a goes to a um guitar amp and then the b goes to a bass amp and um going to the bass side i have a pog pedal that down tunes the guitar tone an octave oh, or cool. whatever i want it to be yeah, um yeah. and so then running that i can switch back and forth between both or i can play both at the same time so i can emulate the bass sound um with what i'm playing on the guitar and then if if you have like looper pedals and stuff you can play like a bass lick and then you can like loop that then start playing more yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it's kind of fun it's a lot of tap dancing to do but it's a really cool way to kind of fill out the the live tone not that you guys have any issue doing that but like no, but I've been thinking of that uh, with my solo stuff sometimes that I need to uh, have a not not for a bass sound, but but a looper with a different different setup, so you can do a lot of more more. You can do more. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's and since I'm uh, uh, I haven't decided even if I'm gonna play live sometime with the solo stuff. But if I'm gonna do that, I will probably have a similar. Setup because when I play with Monolord, I have a dub, dual amp setup uh, as well, but uh, mm. just one of them. I push one of them in and out to get because if I play a riff by myself and I push the other one in when Mika and Espen comes in, so it gets a more powerful. Mm-hmm. Like like it's like it's two guitarists. So right, yeah, no, you definitely get that two guitar player vibe with only yourself. But, you know, where it does lack is when you want to, like, switch over and do a lead, and then you lose a lot exactly. of that, that yeah. not low end, but you lose the mid-range, you know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult. Mm-hmm. Guitar yeah, player struggles. <laughs> How, uh, when you're working on, when, when you're creating music, is it pretty automatic for you as far as deciding, hey, this is an idea that I can bank for Monolord versus something that's going to be... Uh, 
something for your solo project or have things kind of gone back and forth in some way if if you workshop an idea for monolord and then you say oh this doesn't work in the context of this group but hell yeah this is i'm not letting go of this idea it's like uh when i when i uh, wrote the the first solo album was really easy to separate the two uh but now it's more like like this it's intertwining uh so when i when i listen to the some of the stuff that we we, we did some uh, pre-production or what do you want to call it for a couple of songs for Mona lord now and i can hear stuff from my solo album in there more than before uh, and uh, I think I hope it's a good thing because uh, I don't know the the new songs feel a bit different than before. I can't really put my finger on it yet, but it, it's not. Uh, but we'll see. We're not done yet, so. Um, but it feels good. It's got a. It's got some aggressive parts, and it's got some dynamic. Really, yeah, I'm kind of getting stoked when I think about it it's 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 fun yeah i think that was something i was gonna ask about is dynamic because um that was one of the things that struck me in listening to uh uh to no comfort was mm -hmm. there is uh some changes in the dynamic be it like pace driven um mm -hmm. mostly uh and i thought that that was very interesting um and i wanted to know if that was the kind of when you refer to dynamics, is it that kind of dynamic that uh, that you're referring to, or are there other uh, other new elements at play? Uh, a little bit of both. I kind of I know. Uh, uh, I think it was for Rust. Someone said somewhere that we are the Nirvana of Doom. I don't know <laughs> if you read that. Uh, I, I feel like I read that somewhere, yeah. Uh, but when I think about it, it's it's not it's not that far from the truth because it's sometimes you get a get a, a you know the the verse is more laid back and then when the chorus comes it explodes or if it's a riff or whatever and Nirvana was fucking kings of that. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I think when I saw it first, I started laughing. Uh, immediately but now it's like yeah it's I, it's maybe it's it's true kind of or because I, I really I listened to Nirvana a lot when I was I don't know 15 or whatever and uh, I, I'm still revisiting uh, some of their songs and what, what they had with the uh, in their genre a bunch of people are doing that really good in in ours too, like Job or uh, a bunch of different bands. Bands, but um, it's 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 hard to do stuff because sometimes you when when we have a mellow thing, it's like oh, this sounds like Job. It's we, we got to do something else. <laughs> uh, but then you kind of find your own thing in the whole I listened to some old demos the other day it sounds like I tried to play something like slow and mellow and 
it sounds job, so I can't really use it. But it's a good riff, but it sounds like job too much. So, but then when you find your own thing in the whole uh, in the process, you you can get really cool stuff out of it. And now we have some really beautiful stuff, and we have some really uh, like death metal age and two chainsaw guitar stuff, and we have. <laughs> Uh, Espen is playing the double bass uh, kicks and uh, on a few parts. So it's there's some new stuff happening, I think, I hope. Mm-hmm. It, it, it feels fresh or no one's going to want to listen to a No Comfort 2 or Rust 2. It's, it's, and it's boring. It's also when we listen to the old demos that we saved from leftovers from other albums that was, we always say, oh, well, let's save this for the next album. And then we listen <laughs> to those. It's like, ah, oh, these feel really, really old now. Let's move on. Mm-hmm. So, and that's a good thing, I think. Even though the, some of the old song demos we have is, it's, it's pretty good, but it sounds like the, all, all the old stuff. So, it would be no use for us putting that out uh, if you have something more interesting. And I think the new material, for me, it's more interesting because I notice when I play it that uh, even though I'm, since I'm the guitarist, I most write most of the guitar riffs. Uh, and But now when we rehearse it, it's... It's almost like I have a thought behind it. I don't know if I have, but it feels interesting. It sure do, it sure does. So that's an interesting comment because I feel like uh, I've heard a similar I've heard a similar thing from other bands as far as the oh, there's a great idea, but it doesn't fit on that particular album. Maybe they already have you know an hour of material and they can't add more, or it's a a good yeah. idea but it doesn't fit there's nowhere in like the track listing that it's going to fit um and so they say oh yeah we'll we'll hang on to it for the future and then they come back to it and they say yeah it, it precisely that uh it's lost in time in a certain way because mm-hmm. in a lot of ways these albums become like cement blocks as like places in time. Right. Right. Um, and because you guys are, this is going to get like really broad and vague, but like (laughs) you guys are, are friends that have been playing music together for a very long time. Each album that you guys have made together, whether it's the two of you or whether it's the three of you, um, are all places in time that are a part of a larger development. I mean, do you think that, uh, in a certain way, this new album is going to show a larger step in uh, in change from the previous album that the previous steps may have had. Uh, it still sounds like Monolord, uh, and I think the steps. And it's I played the the whole record for my mother the other day, and. She's like not that impressed that some would be, I, I, or I don't know, but she's like, and I realize maybe this is all in my head, all this, like I'm, I'm building a hype inside my own head of these songs because I find them like interesting to play and it, it got some hooks and some stuff. So, 
and then I get all like insecure and think, well, this maybe it's fucking crap. But then I get back to we know how it's it's the best thing with Monolord, I think, is that when I write songs, I know how everyone sounds. Uh, and I can hear Mika's bass notes when I write the guitar stuff. So it's, we've been pretty good. And we, Mika knows my guitar sound and he knows what he, we've been working with our sound for a long time. So we, we need to take another step in some direction. And I don't want to be changing my sound that much uh, so instead it's like you gotta do something else you gotta figure out it's gonna be, get boring just playing the same kind of stuff over and over and i know as a fan when listening to you know some bands you want some bands to sound like they always sounds like acdc for example it would be strange to hear them do something else it would but, be strange to hear a new chord involved yeah, uh, <laughs> but then when you listen to like Elder, mm-hmm. I, I they have been become one of my favorite bands to see live. They are totally amazing. They are tight and they have been exploring stuff all the time, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, it's inspiring to see them and listen to them. So uh, yeah, it's I think it's for us as well. You. Can, for all of us, we're really excited that have been taking some step in some direction, even though I don't know where it will lead or what other think it sounds like. But it's 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 a good we're on a good path, I think. Mm-hmm. It's interesting too, uh, going back a little bit when you say uh, when you talk about leftover demos and wanting to circulate back to them and how records are certain positions in time and. It's funny to think, you know, as an artist, you definitely want to move on. And then you you talk to the fans and they're like, but we want more of those golden nuggets, you know, like they always want what they can't have. And it's it's an interesting thing. Like some artists go back and they do a re-release of a record and they include things that maybe weren't on the record the first time around. Um, But then there's others who are just like, it happened. Like you're not getting any more. What's kind of your approach to that? Do you see yourself releasing demos in the future when you maybe come across an anniversary? Uh, we've been talking about that from time to time. Um, but I'm not sure if we, I think maybe we will include something some sometime, but it we need to, because when we do demos or stuff in the rehearsal space we're not really that thorough we we are of course but not like in detail when we record an album mm-hmm. so it's just a matter of if do we want to do we want others to hear this or not and so it has to be a decent <laughs> recording for us to uh want, if we want to do that better i think maybe some demo version of Empress Rising or something in the, I, I, I'm not sure. Maybe. Mm-hmm. It was, it, uh, it's not oh. a closed door anyway. 
Yeah, I uh, I thoroughly uh, my pressings for the of the first two uh, records without vocals uh, came in the or instrumental uh, came oh, yeah. in the mail today and or not today what was it on on Monday I got them mm-hmm. and uh, I listened to them um, and it was pretty crazy to hear uh, how how the instruments all breathed a little bit differently even though there's pretty large swaths of both those albums that don't have vocals on them to begin with. Um, you know, there's still spaces where you hear, um, a lot of detail that may not, that may not have been present because there is that additional little space to breathe. Um, when, uh, first of all, when, uh, how did that decision come about to release instrumental versions of those, um, of those albums? How, um, was it a very easy process for you guys to do that? And did you hear anything kind of, uh, did you hear the same kinds of differences that, uh, you know, I mean, that other people may be hearing as well? One thing that I think we all are very uh, particular about is small details of stuff on sound is really important to us. So, uh, I bet there's tons of stuff that you can't really hear or you don't think about when there's vocals lying around. Uh, especially since if there's a quieter part and the guitars has maybe delay or reverb or something on it, the vocals has probably that too. So that will mix. So if you take away the vocals, you will probably hear something, something new and it's it's really i think it's we talk about that uh, a lot if is is there any use to put all this work into like two seconds of a song like you sit and do stuff either with a computer or record stuff like 900 times to get this two second or one second is it worth it is anyone <laughs> listening or is it just for ourselves and we realized if we do that for ourselves, it's going to sound good to others too, hopefully. But um, it uh, and how it came to, I think someone somewhere asked us that. And it's like, yeah, maybe that's a good idea. And I don't know where it came from, but it wasn't, we, we said, we'll, we'll try, put an instrumental version out and if that goes well let's try with the second album too and yeah so it was it was nothing much you can use the same artwork and you can it's it's you don't have to decide for a cover or whatever it's just everyone said go so it was pretty easy going process mm-hmm. yeah you don't need to include lyric sheets either <laughs> no um, but we we forgot one thing that a kind uh, fan pointed out that says Thomas Jaeger guitars and vocals uh, still. <laughs> so that's uh, we, that that one's on us. Sorry. Oh, well, it just encourages someone to find the versions with vocals. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the new fan. Yeah. yeah. No, I thought it was a it was a cool uh, presentation of that material, and yeah, there was definitely um, stuff that I heard um, there that you yeah you don't really get a sense of, and sometimes like 
you hear those things live too, depending on like where you are in the venue and what the what the venue mix is like too. Like uh, I've been fortunate to see you guys in a bunch of different venues, and so yeah. all the songs sound a little bit different depending on where I've seen the band and uh, sometimes how inebriated I am too. But <laughs> uh, it, it, it was interesting to have that uh, that presentation, and I think that um, those two records were it just gives you a different perspective as a fan on them. And it gives you an appreciation because, um, as you mentioned, a lot of time and effort goes into all the details. And so, um, in a way you're letting people see all of that work, which is awesome. It's, it's, a, yeah. it's like a really transparent thing to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you know, sometimes you work so hard on stuff. It's a fine line between, again time and what's really worth doing but so far it's we we think sound is fun and you know sometimes when you record stuff there's going to be sounds that are made by mistake and we keep a lot of them in the mix and it it's probably not even heard as a mistake but it was and we kept it and we we all we're all fan of those small, small quirks and things. It's it's really, yeah. It's it's, and it's you enjoy if you enjoy sound. It's uh, it's gonna notice to uh, to everyone that you're like, yeah. It's it's fun to play and it's yeah. Everyone's gonna think it's hopefully hear that. Mm -hmm. Well, those mistakes also make recordings more authentic, you know, and if you want to go back to the Nirvana comment, that's something Nirvana did and they practiced, you know, yeah. Uh, if there were mistakes on the record, they just they left them and it gives more authenticity to kind of what you're achieving. It's not as it it's still a polished record, right? But there's you're not putting yourself out there on like a pop level where it's so polished and everything is so no, every no, detail is so exactly. minute, you know? And I think that's something people appreciate in rock and metal for the most part. I shouldn't say all metal. Some metal is very polished, but yeah, um, uh, most, most metal is pretty, you know, there's room for error and those, those mistakes are what make records really unique. Yeah, I agree. Um, so you, the, uh, no Comfort was the first album you had put out with uh, with Relapse, um, and that was a, a newer relationship, having put out um, three albums with uh, Riding Easy beforehand. Um, now that you've had some time and you've like kind of gone through the whole album cycle um, and you're getting ready for a new album... Um, are you... Uh, how do you... How are the differences or uh, just from your perspective, like were there some pretty big differences between working with Riding Easy, which is essentially like a very small team driven by more or less one individual versus um, a team like Relapse that uh, works multiple markets and uh, is an album that has like a deep dis discography and like a lot of releases throughout the year? You can tell that, uh, of course, you can tell that Relapse is a bigger label. Um, but we try to minimize 
because um, Daniel is still from Writing Easy, still working with us in some ways, and sometimes when it's <clears throat> like like a label thing, he can keep the he can send us the stuff that we need to know, and uh, so, so we're talking with mostly him anyway, because um, we were not worried, but we're like, there's a lot of more people working in each area. So we, we were, you thought that maybe we will have a mail storm with 900 mails. We still have sometimes, but it's easily, it's more viewable when you have someone else dealing with that. And, uh, but both experience has been, experiences has been, Writing Easy was perfect for us, the three first records. And the step to relapse felt natural. And it's not much big of a difference. You just notice that they have more power. Uh, everything so far has worked really smooth. There has been no, you know, sometimes musicians, you, you can be as a musician really protective for your... Mm-hmm. creation or whatever but it's no really need to feel that way with either writing easy or relapse it's feels like we're we were and we are in good hands mm-hmm. no it's a cool uh it's a fun transition to make and it's a pretty natural step um as someone that's seen a lot of bands go from small labels uh to bigger ones it's a it's a really nice little step to make um, cause relapse occupies a unique space between, uh, like juggernaut independent record labels and the smaller labels. I mean, they have a, a huge back catalog just owing to the fact that they've been around for so long, but, mm-hmm. yeah. um, you That's know, an impressive catalog. Yeah. It's a sick catalog and, <laughs> yeah, um, like they, but you can tell when a label's made bets on bands and it's worked out really well for them that it's good to be um, a part of that pool as well because then you understand that these people have an eye for talent and um, whether it's people that are just fans of music look to that label as some type of, um, for some type of taste-making factor or if it's people that are in the industry like us that Mm -hmm. watch all the labels pretty closely. We say, Oh, that's like, uh, an interesting move. Maybe that signifies some kind of direction that a label's going into. Um, but relapse and, uh, riding easy off, like occupy completely different, uh, taste making realms too. As far as riding easy has a, a somewhat specific world from a brand, uh, from the brand that it projects, uh, versus uh, relapse, at least if you were to take a survey through social media and if you were to look through uh, the back catalog, they're very different things. So you've mm-hmm. been able to jump into two different worlds. Um, yeah. Whereas if you go from like a small independent metal label that is just, we are a metal label, we just <laughs> focus on the bands but don't have a culture, to a larger label that's like that, then um, you actually cover less ground than you may think um, I don't know if this is something you've observed as well. You can see the, uh, I don't know if I've told you before, but I really like the tool uh, with the uh, Spotify artist thing that you can check. 
I know I send, send you screenshots sometimes when Chicago <laughs> is in top. Yeah. Uh, I hope we're still uh, in the top five. <laughs> I think uh, I think you were passed by Boston. Damn, fucking but, Boston. Dude, it's got to be JJ from uh, <laughs> from the obelisk doing some shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think the the it felt very right from from the beginning with 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 writing easy for example and uh i think we started writing on instagram uh a bunch of years ago and i really like that he's that daniel is trying to find he's going outside the the like with the hair lies man thing for example uh and he, he his variety is, is big, but it's it's a thread there you can follow. Uh, it's really I admire, I admire that. And then for relapse, you know, it's the whole metal history in in relapse. It's it's amazing. And then if we can get parts of both those worlds, it's yeah, it's only it's only good. And then also with uh, I know when. Uh, he signed us and then i know after he signed us he put out he was daniel was gonna sign a new band for writing easy and so on oh i hope it's a new swedish doom band because they had salem's pot first and then and then us so and then fire breather also signed to uh writing easy so so someone said he's picking out everything good in sweden but uh it's kind of cool because when you look at the, uh, again with the Spotify artists uh, thing, you can see that the majority of plays is from the United States. That we, it's more of the rest like combined, uh, and that means that we were probably in the right place at the right time, I guess, because we. U.S. has been a huge market for us, even bigger than we expected for sure and uh it's really interesting now with a also with a new record um it's yeah it's it's, it's an, an interesting journey and it's it's feels like it's a hundred years but it's just five around five years so it's uh or six but it's uh yeah it's it's awesome all the way yeah, I mean the the time the timeline of the start of Monolord to putting albums out and touring, it's all been pretty compact. Um, when you compare it to other bands that may have mm -hmm. demoed or uh, recorded uh, EPs or been unsuccessfully signed or unsigned mm -hmm. um or maybe unsuccessfully signed i don't know <laughs> yeah. uh but like <laughs> some bands spend that entire time doing that before they get recognition yeah so it's all happened uh pretty quickly which is awesome i mean that's like a highly productive six years i'd say <laughs> yeah it's been a it's been a bunch of records since then it's yeah, it's I, i'm still amazed uh, how we managed to do all that touring and releasing a bunch of records so I have no idea how we did that. <laughs> um, 
Yeah. And uh, the other thing I was thinking, too, uh, going back to the conversation we were just having is uh, my experience in also running a small label that has worked with a lot of Swedish bands is that uh, there is a there's always an interest that Swedish bands have in doing something in the U.S. market. Um, and like there is a a level of success that's perceived with doing well there um, that's different from succeeding in other markets, uh, whether it's like the rest of Europe, for example, if you were to compare the two size-wise. Um, so there, I think that there definitely was an element of being in the right place at the right time because um, there's, a, there's a view that I've found in Sweden that you, if you do well in the States, you you carry that success back with you uh, home in some yeah. ways. Do you think that, that's, yeah. uh, that there's some truth to that? Yeah, I think it is. Um, I think it's, we're, we're not really there in, in uh, Sweden yet. Uh, it's, but you know, Sweden is still hard to tour if you're not doing like Fridays and Saturdays, maybe Thursdays. Unless there's a bigger band from the United States coming over, then you can go watch a band on a Tuesday. But uh, if there's a Swedish band on like a weekday, it's like, eh, you can see them whenever, kind of. <laughs> Uh, so it's it's hard to, uh, but now we've been fortunate that the last couple of times it's been really good in in Sweden and Scandinavia. Uh, so it's getting better here uh, too. But you can you can really see the difference between the US and the rest of the Europe of Europe. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I, I think that uh, I feel pretty good. Oh, you feel good? Yeah, I feel good too. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us this week. Thanks to Thomas as well. Keep an eye out for Monolord's next album coming out on Relapse. And be sure to join Alexi and I on our Instagram Q&A coming up on October 26th. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll see you all next week. Oh.